This podcast contains language and subject matter some may find offensive. Keep out of reach of children and the elderly. This is Canadian Spirit. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Canadian Spirit, where the podcast hosted by two Canadian paranormal investigators who use what they've learned in the field to try and solve our nation's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. I'm your host Kelly, and Darcy couldn't make it because he's currently locked in a life-or-death battle with the Krampus himself. So my apologies, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, but I'll find some way to make it up to you guys. So we're going to start off the show with a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, It's almost the end of the Christmas season, but be sure to check out Totally Rad Christmas. It's a podcast that's run by this guy, Jerry D. He runs a great show over there, and I recently did an episode with him about the Rindlesham Forest incident, so if you like this podcast, definitely go check out at least that episode, preferably more, but hey, one, one should be okay. And the next thing I want to say is I probably want to bring this up at the beginning of the episode because uh, I got looking at our stats and generally most people stop listening after the question of the week. So be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or just tell a friend about this podcast. It would really help us out. The holidays might be over, but you can start the new year off, right? With some of our new merch. Preach the word that raccoons are aliens with a hoodie, sport our logo on a t-shirt, show your undying allegiance to Vladimir Putin, or just take notes in our Beware the Ugwug notebook. Proclaim that ancient aliens tell lies, and there's more. There's a link to that in our show description. And before we get started with today's episode, we're going to do some new Twitter follower shoutouts. We're going to start with Charlie Rocks Paranormal, then Erlo, Life Imitates Arthur, Crime Coffee and Crafts Podcast, Too Much Scrolling, Scroogey Grinchel, I love that for the holiday theme, Bruce Bean, Teacup Media, Lovely Cushioned Header, Skeets, Lisa Robinette, Mirschke, We're Not Meant to Know Podcast, and Sean Atwood. Thank you guys so much for following, and I wish you a very happy holidays and the best in the new year. And without much further ado, let's start off with Kelly's Campfire Tale. This is where I put you, the listener, in the middle of a paranormal event with my mediocre storytelling ability. Your brakes squeal as your dashboard GPS announces your arrival at your destination. You glance out your window at the lit exterior of the building. Red shingles and green brass window accents stand out from the neutral brown brick structure, giving an immense mansion a strangely ethereal look but still regal in its own creepy way. You shut off your engine and step out of your car. You take a deep breath to calm your nerves and smooth out your clothes with a pair of sweaty palms. Your friend, Arthur, set you up on a blind date and you're definitely feeling those first date butterflies. You look around and in a moment, Your eyes meet with a pair of large blue eyes of a rather sad-looking woman. You smile a bit and introduce yourself, assuming that this is the woman that Arthur has sent you to meet. She offers a sad smile and a few words before the two of you are led to your table. The date doesn't go great. You do your best to charm the lovely young lady, but it is not- she's not one for conversation. She just sits there, 
barely picking at her food, staring off into space with a sad, longing expression. After a bit, you decide to politely excuse yourself and escape this less-than-comfortable situation. You slip away from the table and make your way up the stairs to the second-floor bathroom, where you take refuge. You splash cold water on your face and you wonder to yourself, is it you? Is there something about your personality that is just that depressing to her? God damn it. Why can't dating just be easier? These thoughts and more swirl through your mind as you w watch the water swirl around the drain. You sigh and look back up at your reflection. And that's when your blood freezes. Staring back at you from the mirror isn't your familiar face. It's the face of your date? But it's all wrong. Her neck is at an odd angle. Her skin is an off gray. Her lips blue. Her eyes lifeless. You stumble back, the apparition fading from your vision as you retreat from the mirror and make your way back out of the bathroom and back down to your table. Your date continues to sit there, staring off into space. You can't face her after what you saw in the bathroom, so you make for the door. Sir? Sir? You hear a staff member call out to you. Sir, you need to pay your bill before you leave. You scoff and thumb over your shoulder. She can pay for it. I'm getting the fuck out of here. The poor middle-aged woman looks at you, confused. Who are you talking about? She asks. You've been dining alone. Canadian Spirit Chronology Today's ghostly adventure takes us to Toronto, Ontario, home of the Maple Leafs, the Raptors, the CN Tower, and a famous international film festival. However, none of these are the topics of today's episode. Today... We're looking at a strange, almost out-of-place house that's located at 515 Jarvis Street. It's a house that's held many names, but today it's known as the Keg Mansion. The building itself was constructed way back in 1867, commissioned by one Arthur McMaster, who was the nephew of a prominent Canadian senator, William McMaster, who boasted quite the impressive resume of being both a senator, the founder of the Bank of Canada, and a driving force behind the creation of the Canadian Bank of Commerce. McMaster family was also a family who founded Toronto's McMaster University, hence the name, which still acts as a prestigious university known all around Canada. So, yeah, the building was built by Canada's early aristocracy. The building hasn't changed a lot over the years, sporting a neutral brick exterior with green brass accents, red shingles, and a turret. That's how you know this is a fancy fucking house when it's got a goddamn turret. And a fair share of windows lining its exterior. When it was built, this impressive house sported 26 rooms, 17 fireplaces, and a brick-and-mortar stables complete with a carriage house in the back. When it was built, it stood out as one of the most lavish houses on Jarvis Street, which is really saying something because this was a ritzy neighborhood at the time. Does it surprise anybody that this palace stood out? This was like Jeffrey Bezos' levels of riches back in the day. Well, the house was definitely not William McMaster's forever home, because in 1882, the house was sold to Hart Almeron Massey and his wife Eliza Ann. 
This is the family that really put this house on the map as far as the paranormal goes, but we'll get to that in a bit. Now, I know what you're thinking. How in the hell could Massey afford this place? Well, he was the founder of Massey Manufacturing Company, and if that sounds familiar, then you're probably in the business of agriculture. The Massey Manufacturing Company is now Massey Ferguson, which is a company that manufactures agricultural equipment, so needless to say, Massey had a lot of fucking money. Well, the house changed hands yet again to their daughter Lillian Francis, for reasons that I couldn't find. In any case, Lillian was an interesting character in and of herself. She dedicated her life to extravagant wealth and philanthropy, setting up several kitchens around to feed the less fortunate and a number of schools to educate women and the newly arrived immigrants to Canada. Legend has it that Lillian was so beloved by her house and staff that she had which is kind of strange because she was a really quirky woman with, by some accounts, but we'll get to that in a bit. Her nephew Ryan stated that she was always, quote, a neurotic dietary faddist and notorious hypochondriac, end quote. Lillian Massey would die on November 3rd of 1915 from complications of neuritis, and this is the origin part of the paranormal activity, but not from Lillian herself. The story goes that one of the maids who worked at the residence under the employment of Lillian was so distraught over her passing that she hanged herself in the foyer of the home by tying a noose to the railing of the second floor vestibule and throwing herself over the railing. That's the most popular version of the story. Others say the, the reason the maid turned herself into a human chandelier was out of guilt over a sexual affair with a Massey family member and felt that this secret would be exposed with Lillian's death. And now, is anybody else getting flashbacks to the St. Francis Xavier University? Because this seems to be almost the exact same story from the Blue Nun from that episode. But anyway, this seems to be the origin point of which the Keg Mansion began, the haunting tales. But why is it called Keg Mansion now? Is it because this is the most popular place to have a kegger? Well, no, but let's imagine that scenario for a bit, shall we? Bruh, get that transparent motherfucker out of here. He's totally harsh and alive, bruh. Did we seriously just do an imagination bit on this podcast? Yes, yes we did, because Darcy's not here and I can do what I fucking want. Anyway, let's move on. The truth is that after the death of Lillian, the mansion was bequeathed, like that's a word that I don't know what that means. I'm sure that means it's been given to, but whatever. It was uh, bequeathed to the University of Toronto's Victoria College. Then it was a bicycle shop. Then it was a radio station. And then finally, in 1975, the former Massey's mansion was bought by the Keg Steakhouse and Bar, who still holds the deed to this day. You can actually dine here, and that's where some of our paranormal stories we have today will come from. But yeah, that's where the name Keg Mansion comes from. Speaking of ghosts, though, we will see that Lillian's maid may not be the only spirit in the house. That will be right after this. Hey guys, I know I said I'd be right back, but here I am still talking. So why is that? 
Well, because the podcast that I want to promote this week doesn't have a promo reel. Instead, I'm going to give my personal endorsement for you to listen to 8750. It's a podcast hosted by Yeti Yef. Yeah, he's named after a cryptid, so you know why I was drawn to it. But anyway, this show is fantastic enough that I actually dished out cold hard cash to join their Patreon. That says something. 8750 is a comedic conversationalist podcast with Yeti F as the host with a myriad of different friends telling their hilarious stories. So go and check them out. Rate and review them on Good Pods and do all that sort of stuff. Do it. Do it now. And we're back. So, Keg Mansion. We've covered so far when it was built, some of its tragic backstory, and how it got its name. But let's dig into the, some of the stories that make it one of Canada's most haunted buildings. During my research, it was kind of hard to track down just how long these stories have been circulating, but I do have a few of them. They're rather short, so we'll rapid-fire through them, and by the way, I collected these from both NarCity.com and GTA Haunts. We'll start with this story. Melanie Ellerby was dining with her husband when she said she encountered two different spirits. As she was dining, she said that she felt the cold wisps on her arm that gave her goosebumps. She felt the light touches move onto her fingers and eventually the back of her neck. Quote, There was a flash across my mind of a woman. She was young, blonde hair with a wide face and blue eyes. She wore her hair swept up and wore a light-colored blouse with a high neck and a long, light-colored skirt. In the flash, she was standing behind me, she wrote in a testimonial. She continued to feel the woman's presence throughout the dinner. Laura D. claims to have seen ghosts of children at the restaurant. Children are not allowed in the keg at night. And so she thought it was odd when she saw a boy with dark hair sitting on one of the staircases. She walked past him toward the bar, and when she looked back, he'd vanished. During another visit, she and a friend were on the second floor bar when they heard the creepy sound of children's feet pitter-pattering down the stairs. When they looked to see who it was, no one was there. And Mia T was in the woman's washroom alone in the keg mansion, but insists that she felt another presence with her the entire time. Quote, I came out and looked at the stairs. A woman dressed in a dark, beautiful, old-fashioned dress looked at me. I even said hi to her when walking past and down the stairs. I felt weird about it, so I asked the host. He said it was, there was only four male servers that night, no waitresses, and definitely no one in an old-fashioned dress. And finally, a woman referred simply to KLR, kind of sounds like KGB, maybe she's a Russian agent, I don't know. She said that after finishing dining, she ran to the upstairs washroom while her husband waited for the check. The woman's washroom is located on the second floor with a space used for a bar and waiting area. She walked into the washroom, only then realizing she was carrying the bag with a bottle of wine she purchased earlier. She blamed this on her excitable subconscious. In the washroom stall, she carefully hung the bag on the door hook. While in the stall, the plastic rustled from above. She looked up to see the bag as it had been pushed out from the door. It even fell off the hook. Instincts kick in, and she looked down and covered her face, bracing herself for the crash, but nothing happened. Opening her eyes, the bag was sitting perfectly still on the floor by her feet, the wine bottle upright and fully intact, as if someone had carefully placed it on the floor. There have been other stories that 
were too short to mention here, showcasing child spirits who have been seen and heard by many patrons running through the halls, and also a shadowy entity who lives in the underground tunnels beneath the mansion. Yes, you heard that right. Underneath the Keg Mansion exists a two-kilometer subterranean tunnel that once connected the mansion to the nearby hospital. It's not entirely clear where this tunnel came from, but it's likely that Lillian, who was a notorious hypochondriac by her nephew Ryan's own admittance, had this tunnel built so that she could easily come and go from the hospital without being seen by the public. Now, it's interesting to me that a lot of stories tend to circulate around the second floor bathroom because, as the legend goes, that's where the maid of Lillian Massey apparently hanged herself. I was watching a couple of videos on the keg so that I get a better idea of its layout and whatnot, and there's a lot of videos out there of a lot of people performing their own impromptu paranormal investigations, and I'm using air quotes around paranormal investigations here. But they freak out over a urinal urinal that's flushing on its own when it clearly has a motion sensor flush system, and all of them remarking on the creepy sound that the front door makes. It's like, dude, this building is over a century and a half old. Give the door a break. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track. What I'm trying to say here is that some interesting connections to the story of the maid, and yet not for others. Like the children's spirits... <sighs> There's just nothing that I can find, nor is there anything that can even begin to explain the shadowy entity that apparently lives in the tunnels underneath it. It seems that the only story that can easily be verified is that of Lillian Massey's maid. So, what might be going on here? Well, I'll explore that a little bit right after this. Hello, brothers and sisters, I am the revered Dr. Reverend Minister, holiest of Holy Father, Church Kirkland, of the Church of the King of Kings, firstborn Lamb of God, and Lord to all saints of Latter-day Saints and before. Today I have brought out a small piece on this podcast to tell you about the good news of the Church of the King of Kings, firstborn Lamb of God, and Lord to all saints of Latter-day Saints and before. We offer the true enlightenment of the Lord your God to you every Saturday and the Sunday. I know what you're thinking. Dr. Reverend Minister Holiest of Holy Father Church Kirkland, whatever will I do with my children while I receive the Lord's blessing? Well, I read your mind, my children, and I am proud to announce that we now have weekend Bible study for the little ones, run by my right-hand man, Brother Diddles. Say hello to our new parishioner, Brother Diddles. <laughs> I love the little children. All right, Brother Diddles, get on out of here. You're scary as hell. Maybe keep those kids at home, folks. But bring yourself on down to the Church of the King of Kings, firstborn Lamb of God, Lord to all saints of Latter-day Saints and before, and tell them that Dr. Reverend Minister, holiest of the Holy Father, Church Kirkland sent you. I genuinely worry about my own mental health sometimes. But anyway, what could be behind this particular haunting? 
The one thing that jumps into my mind, first of all, is that this building really is almost a century and a half old, if not a little bit older. I can't remember what date I said it was built in, but anyway, it's almost 150 years old. So when it comes to buildings like this, we often see ghost stories popping up around these buildings. And why is that? Generally, well, especially with buildings that were once residential like this, you're going to have people who died there. This is just something that, as a building gets older, especially one that people are living in, people are going to die in this building. And when people die in a building, it generally seems to get people thinking, well, maybe this person is still hanging around. So it's kind of the thought process there as far as that goes. That might be behind it. And once again, with research, I couldn't really determine exactly when these stories began to circulate, so it could be one of those things that it just didn't really pop up until way after 1915. That's part of, that's the kind of uh, bit of research that I'm lacking here, so it's, it's just kind of hard to say, but generally speaking, with residential buildings that are over 150 years old, especially here in the Western world, we tend to see people thinking, well, these buildings are more likely haunted than not. But does it genuinely mean that these buildings are haunted? That's kind of be, to be determined. The one thing that we always try to do when we go into buildings is, well, first of all, when you're looking at a building this old that's, well, still functioning or not, you want to make sure that you're safe, first and foremost, both physically and spiritually. Physically, you don't want to be, you know, walking up and down some old steps and whatnot and go crashing through them. That would make it for, that would make a very bad time for everybody. But I guess that really doesn't apply when it comes to the Keg Mansion, because this is still a building that is very much in use and still very much up to code. I think some of the best thing, or I guess the best thing that you would want to do is do a full-scale investigation on this building. You know, shut down completely all the power around it to make sure there's no interference or anything like that with your K2 meters and whatnot. But, and try to get some EVPs or something, I guess. Try to get any kind of evidence that you can. As far as witness testimonials, they're fine, they're great, but unfortunately that's not evidence. That's w the word of somebody who's saying that they saw something. And that's not to say that they did see something, it's just not necessarily evidence of the paranormal. I mean, that's kind of why people call us in to try and verify what they've seen, but I'm getting off track again. As far as trying to come up with a man-made or, uh, I guess, psychological phenomenon that might be behind this, because so many people report seeing the same things, it could be one of those cases where one person reports it and other people, they go in expecting to have a paranormal experience and their minds are just kind of pre-programmed to having that experience. Does that make any sense? I'm not sure if it does, but anyway, we're going to go with it. Point is, is that some people can be, I guess, influenced to have these experiences, even if it is something just mundane or if it's just an overactive imagination, or maybe they genuinely do see something. I don't know. I haven't seen this for myself, so I guess the jury's still out for me. It may not be the case for the witnesses themselves. But with that rambling and incoherent response to what could it be out of the way, let's move on to similar cases from around the world. The first one that I have is such a striking resemblance to the story of the Keg Mansion that I absolutely had to include it. And it's not even from Canada or North America. 
we're actually looking at none other than the Mingzhong Ghost House in Mingzhong, Taiwan. Built in 1929 by Lu Rongyu, I probably butchered that name, it stands in the countryside outside of Shihai Provincial City. Another name I butchered. I'm on a roll. The mansion is totally overgrown by greenery today, now to a scary degree. I'm going to include a link in, of the photo to this in the show notes, and you can see this for yourself. It is batshit crazy. But anyway, one of the most popular tales states that a housemaid had an affair with the homeowner, leading to the maid's suicide. It's said that both the maid and ghosts of soldiers can be seen wandering through these ruins at night. Our next stop is also in Asia, not far from Taiwan really. We go now to Beijing, China. A three-story mansion that has sat abandoned for nearly 80 years, Xiaonai number 81, another name butchered, I'm keeping this streak going, it was constructed by the Qing imperial family, and the story goes that after the nationalists' defeat by the communists, the man of the house abandoned his wife in the mansion. This woman, so anguished and betrayed by her husband, committed suicide by hanging herself inside the home. Ghosts of a woman in red, as well as children, are reported to be having seen wandering around the ruins of this old house. Then we head just south of our border to Beacon, New York. There sits in a now-abandoned mansion, once known as the Craig House Hospital. It was in 1915, the same year that Lillian died, that this Gothic-style mansion was turned into a hospital of sorts to treat psychiatric patients, such as Zelda Fitzgerald, Rosemary Kennedy, and Jackie Gleason. Sadly, and all too commonly with these old psychiatric hospitals, this house soon became the home of countless suicides and untimely deaths. It was, and still is, rumored to be rife with ghosts of the disturbed. Oh, and it's currently being turned into a hotel and spa, so that's fun! But that's about it for all of that, so we're gonna move on to... Ladies and gentlemen, the question of the week. How do you take your steak? Personally, I take mine rare. About as rare as I can get, because if you do anything above medium, then you just hate steak, and why are you even eating it, you goddamn monster? Since Darcy isn't here to answer that, I'll be putting that up on our Twitter, at spirit underscore Canadian, so you guys can get in on it and, yeah, tell me how you, how do you take your, how do you take your steak? But that about does it for the Keg Mansion. I think that this week, if you want to make a reservation at a potentially haunted location, then your best bet would be in the Toronto area. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, you can get in touch with us here at Canadian Spirit by reaching out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash spiritgp, on our Twitter account at spirit underscore Canadian, our email at spiritinstitutegp at gmail.com. And if you missed it at the very beginning, you know, go leave us a five-star review or tell a friend about the podcast, you know, do that kind of thing. Spread the word about the show. So tune in next time for our very first cryptid episode of this season, even though it's not really a cryptid, but anyway, it's, uh, it's going to get really, really gross next time. We'll be exploring the Inuit legend of the Adlet. Until next time, I've been Kelly. And this has been Canadian Spirit. Good night, everybody.
That's all for this episode. Special thanks to Torin for our music. Zach Black, that's me, for voice work. All of our sources we used for this episode. And you, our listeners. For more information on the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash spiritgp. We'll see you in two weeks.